You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio. Your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. Hi, it's Ahanu back again. And this time we have something very different for you. And we've decided to do this to finish out the year and have a little bit of fun as opposed to being spiritually serious all of the time. So many of you will remember that several weeks ago we started a writing class where we gave a prompt and from that single line of a prompt we would write a story and spend just 45 minutes and then just read it to the little group afterwards. Well, in those few weeks since then, Many amazing stories have come out from that small group, but I'd like to read just three of them for you today, and next week we'll read another three. So see what you think of this. We're going to start with one where the prompt was entitled, And Still There Is The Wonder. And Still There Is The Wonder. So have a listen to this. The small deer opened its eyes, and the first thing he saw were the adoring eyes of his mother. Although battered, and windswept and sore from scars and constant escapes from mankind. To him, she was the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. She too gazed intently at the delicate bundle of newly born that lay before her. Her thoughts ran to the many adventures that lay in store for her young fawn, then to the many dangers that awaited him in the wild. She thought of the times she explored the vast mountains, through plains and thickets, over hedge and thistle, through forests of pine and oak and beech and willow, and then to the times she lay down with his father in the relative safety of the high gorge. What future lay in store for him, she wondered, as a bullet echoed around the lower valley close to where she herself had been born only five short summers ago. The hunters had come too close too many times to her small patch, a territory marked only by the scent of her soulmate. But one of those bullets had found his heart shortly after their last mating season, and new culling orders were posted in the village post office, offering bounties for females. His body had been dismembered and left to rot in the dank undergrowth, while his antlers were taken as a sporting prize by a man boasting to his sales team. Where is safe now, she wondered. Do I take him higher into the peaks, or are we safer in the denseness of the oak forest? As her breathing slowed with the gentle rhythmic suckling of her newborn, she thought she could hear a voice in the distance. It came closer, louder, but she wasn't startled by it. It was the voice of her stag, his voice coming to her across the ethers of time and space. He said, Don't be worried, my love. My life was not in vain. You and I continue in the new life before you, and like that we have carried the joy of our beingness from our ancestors before us. Fear not the greed of some, for the love of life is in all things and all beings. Just as she was beginning to enjoy the reassurance and comfort of his words, her heart jumped at the sound of a breaking stick in the undergrowth beside her. "'Don't worry, dear one,' said the leader of the wolf pack, 
We will lead these hunters away from you. We will lead them towards the river, where our friends, the bear kind, will teach them respect for our ways. Oh no, please don't hurt them, she cried. Our lives all have purpose, and they deserve to live too. With that, the wolves were gone, and so was the reassuring voice of her stag. Her baby fawn stared up at her with its huge brown eyes. I want to be just like my dad, he whispered. You will be wiser from his courage, my son, she said, as she nurtured him with the love only a mother can give. As she lay back to rest in the relative safety of her bed on the soft green ferns, she heard the voice of her stag again, this time softer, fainter, more distant. I am overjoyed, he said. I am in delight at the world of life that I did not fully appreciate when I was with you. The voice grew fainter. In the fast diminishing light of the setting sun, she was sure she heard him say, And still there is the wonder. Now I hope you enjoyed that. This next one, the prompt was entitled, For Eddie, music was more than just sound. For Eddie, music was more than just sound. So let's see how this one goes. For Eddie, music was more than just sound. Eddie moved the slider higher on his new Behringer sound desk. He was sure he heard his dead wife speaking to him from beneath the waves of sound he recorded earlier at the National Concert Hall. The Christmas performance of Handel's Messiah had been ecstatic and he found himself transported back in time to its original performance in Dublin on April 13, 1742. The audience then had swelled to over 700 people as the ladies had heeded the management's pleas to wear dresses without hoops in order to make room for more company in the great music hall on Fishamble Street near Christ Church Cathedral. Eddie's wife had been a singer too, and she had invited him to her performance of the Messiah on their first date. She had worn a dress with hoops that day too, but there was far more room on the stage for the ladies of the choir on that occasion. Eddie got the sound engineer's contract for all the shows after that, but this Christmas it was very different. His wife was dead. Eddie's hands trembled on the sound desk, Years of recording experience had trained his ear so finely that he could hear a pin drop in an auditorium of thousands. There was no mistaking her voice. Eddie, she said softly, I love you. Eddie restarted the recording from the beginning and slid a few more sliders and pressed a few more buttons to enhance the low frequencies and diminish the higher ones just as the soloists alternated with wave upon wave of chorus, and more strongly after that the line, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God, he heard it clearly. There was no mistaking it this time. Eddie, I love you. For Eddie, music was more than just sound, but this experience was defying all his preconceived ideas about life and death. It's not possible, Eddie whispered out loud. 
Lately, he talked to himself more than ever. It seemed to be a comfort for him in her absence. Then, in the middle of the oratorio, on the wave of the crescending chorus of the Passion of Christ, she said, Yes, it is me. Gloria, is that you? Eddie sat back on the studio chair, so the tears rolling down his cheeks would not drip into the sensitive electronics. Yes, Eddie, I'm here. Eddie started the recording back to the beginning. This time he increased the treble and slid the vocals of the chorus to maximum. He repositioned his headphones on his ears and pressed them with both hands into his head so he would not hear the interference from their only daughter playing at the foot of the stairs. Gloria, are you there? This time he heard the soloist and then the chorus building and growing the energy of the famous hallelujah chorus to a joyful crescendo. But there was no Gloria. Over and over he listened. But Gloria was gone. Eddie went to the window. The postman had arrived. Eddie was growing tired of collecting the dozens of fan mail that continued to arrive for his famous wife, even though her last performance in the opera house had occurred just one Christmas ago. Sifting through the foreign stamps and the junk mail, he found one in beautiful scripted handwriting. It was addressed to him. Carefully cutting open the envelope with his silver letter opener, he held the letter up towards the light and put on his gold-rimmed eyeglasses. In the beautiful handwriting of a patron, the letter began. I know your precious Gloria is gone, but I always hear her speak to me when I listen to Handel's Messiah. I remember when you first met, and your love for Gloria and Handel's Messiah blossomed at the same time. I swear the oratorio was written for her, because as she sings, she strings my heart along with every symphonic movement through the nativity, the passion, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. She sings God's glory in the hallelujah chorus like a lark in the clear air. But, Eddie, it's the voice that I hear in my head that demands I write to you today. I swear I hear her speak to me. I heard her say, Write to Eddie and tell him I love him. She also said to tell you to find a copy of Handel's manuscript. Eddie ran to his desk and fumbled through a pile of papers that he kept on every performance that he recorded. On the last page was an inscription by Handel himself that read, S.D.G. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone. Gloria. And now the last one for today is slightly different, <laughs> a little bit more way out there. And the prompt for this story is she tried the next dab on her arm, whistling her breath. She tried the next dab on her arm, whistling her breath. So have a listen. See what you think of this one. She tried the next dab on her arm, whistling her breath. Jeez, that hurts, the first one in the long line of arrivals complained. They were tired and weary from over two light years of travel across the void of Catanta. They had been fed along the way, but the food from the way station planet of Jova 
had few nutrients and did little to satisfy them. The water had been siphoned on board their Black Devil space transporter at another recently colonised asteroid called Devoid 2, and it tasted just like its name. Ever since they left Earth, the entire experience was devoid of human contact, devoid of human food, and devoid of human kindness. It was this lack of human kindness that needled Kate the most. Missing the ultraviolet target marked on her arm, the female robot pumped the vial of disinfectant into Kate's tattooed arm, mistaking the colour of her prisoner's label for the injection point. With the same lack of sensitivity, she tried the next dab on her arm, whistling her breath as if to give some vague kind of comfort that she wasn't all just plastic and circuit boards. Next, the robot said, as the next vial of disinfectant shunted along the conveyor and loaded itself into the injector needle. Kate felt faint. She stumbled forward to steady herself. She felt the disinfectant coursing through her veins, like a shuttle in a video game might race through a vortex. The sensation reached her head, exploding into a million stars that seemed she was witnessing the creation of the galaxy or the moment of the Big Bang. The Big Bang was why they had left Earth. The meteor's impact had been sudden and unexpected, but the regime's preparedness plan was swift and well rehearsed. The global elite had left in the first wave, leaving the specially selected workers to scramble onto the two remaining black devils that had stood ominously in the desert's heat at the Trump Tower space station. Dispose, dispose, she heard another robot say. She felt the metal arms lift her effortlessly by the ankles, dropping her unceremoniously onto a black conveyor chute marked garbage disposal. Her head reeled in disbelief, as for the first time in her life she faced certain death in the face. Kate's mind went out of her conscious control, straight to her childhood. She could see herself on her father's knee on the White House lawn. How big is the universe? she was asking him. Are there real people out there? Yes, she heard him say, and one day you will live out there and be the queen of the universe. Suddenly the disposal robot leaned over her, and in the whistling, hissing voice of a hybrid human robot clone, whispered gently, This is Daddy. You are safe now, my little queen. So there you are, three stories for today. We'll have three more for you next week. but uh, And also, in fact, we have Angel Rose's stories to come on stream as well. She's got a bunch of them that are really, really touching. Very, very gripping stories. And as you can see, they're all short, and we hope you enjoy them. We look forward to seeing you next week. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.